Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. Today, I have a really rock star, big time, like you're not even going to believe this guy. Jay Nolan is on the show today and he's about to rock your world, I promise you. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. I'm going to bring Mr. Jay Nolan on. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome, 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 everyone. Hey, what's going on, Ken Walls? Breakthrough Walls. Breakthrough Walls, man. I can't believe I finally got you on here, man. It only took me 330 other interviews to get you on. <laughs> oh, he cracked me down, but I'm glad, I know. glad to be here. Dude, I'm I'm glad that you, I mean it's it's early where you are. You're out in uh, Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas, man. So you know we're hitting it about eight a.m. in the morning. But you know what? Yeah. The early bird gets the worm. That's right. That's right. So Jay, you know this show I created this about almost three years ago, um, and it was literally to to give back, help people get unstuck, break through. You know get through the troubles in life, you know, and, 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 and I know you have a story, by the way, you're going to be full screen quite often during the show. I'm still here, but, um, so, so why don't we start with telling everybody a little bit about you? Like start with where you were born and raised. Man, I was born in Winchester, Kentucky. I'm a country boy, Southern boy, grandparents, Jim Willie and Ida Mae Nolan primarily raised me. Um, I just love the country life. I grew up on a hog farm. For those of you that don't know what hogs are, those are pigs. My granddad had about 75 to 150 pigs or hogs at any one time. So I grew up in the slop, in the mud, in the filth. And from that filth, I learned how to appreciate life at an entirely different level. Wow, dude. So, <laughs> you know, I I grew up in Ohio, so we were neighbors. Um, and we, there were hog farms around us, man. They, um, smell they're, they're, they have a distinct odor. <laughs> you can smell them for miles for away. Miles. Miles away. And we, we come in the house in the back porch of my grandmother would immediately say, take them clothes off right now. It had to be inside the house too, though, man. Oh like, man. My, my grandmother figured out a system, you know, a system. No, I'm you know, talking about the odor had to come in. It had to be in the house. No, see, my grandfather kept his hog farm 11 miles outside of town in the country. Oh. We drive out to the farm every day. So it's 11 mile drive every day, back and forth, 11 miles out, 11 miles back. Oh my but God. The, the smell, it, it hung on your clothes, you know. So the clothes had to come off immediately when you went to the house and went straight in the wash. So. What was it like, dude? I've I've never I've never like I've never been on a hog farm. Although they were all around where I grew up, 
I never stopped and went, hey, I want to check this hog farm out. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to stomp on the gas and get past this. This is awful, man. man we what was it. it like, dude? I mean, uh, so and how? what age did you start, like, working the farm? From the time I could walk a little bit. You know, my dad and my granddad, they had me on the farm. I was around them. I was dealing with them. You know, we used to... Uh, you name it from A to Z, you know, we had fences, we had to ring them, you know, so that because hogs they root a lot, so they will root up all the ground and they'll get up under the fence. So you got to put these rings in their nose, uh, to make them stop. So we'd have to grab them, hold them down. So a lot of people ask me, you know, you're pretty stout, you know, do you lift weights a lot? I'm like, oh no, man, I've been wrestling hogs. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'll take on a hog man ain't no man that can scare oh, me man. i'll tell you right now <laughs> Dude, that is hilarious so yeah. so so you did that your whole life i did it until you know so from zero till i moved to my with my dad and my mom and dad got divorced when i was nine my dad moved to florida Around 15, 16, I moved to Florida with my dad. But every time I came back in the off, you know, in the, in the summers, I worked with my grandfather on the farm. That's how we had to get back. What my grandfather would do is from the time I can remember, he'd say, pick you out a sow. For those of you that don't know what a sow is, a sow is a girl pig. Okay. And he'd say, pick you out a sow. And then he'd say, come out, help out, contribute, you know, take the feed, some slops to the hogs. And uh, wait till I tell you that story. I don't know. It's going to turn into a hog story. Yeah. But um, we would go, you know, slop, by the way, is we go to all the grocery stores and get all the old groceries and everything that was outdated, that was spoiled. Uh, we go to a couple of restaurants, all the food that was discarded. And you take all of that and you put it in a bucket, and mix it up with some water. And that's what the hogs eat. So for, uh, all you folks really? eat, so for all you folks that eat pork, there you go. So anyway, um, <laughs> Dude, do you? Oh, that is that's so nasty. I'm never eating bacon again. Do, hey, you, eat, do you eat pork? No. <laughs> no. I mean, Come on, dude. And then one day I thought about it and I said, hold on, wait a minute. You know, because a hog will eat anything. I mean, anything. Anyway, he said, pick you out a side. The reason he said pick out a sow because hogs, you know, they they you know once they grow, they get pregnant and they have pigs fast while they populate so fast. You know, you're talking about ninety to one hundred twenty days from the time they're pregnant, they're having pigs. What? Yeah. So he would let me get a a girl pig, and then she would have you know eight, ten, fifteen babies, and then I would pick out another sow, and then take the rest of those when they got to about 40 or 50 pounds, we take them to the stock market, and my grandfather let me take that money to buy my school clothes. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I mean, those little baby piglets are cute, though. Ah, love them, you know. Hey, you want to talk about a trip? If the sow has the hogs, like, because oh, sometimes you know, you, you kind of gauge when they're going to have them, so you get them in the pen. Sometimes they'll have them out in the field. So if they have the pigs out in the field, we've got a situation in three or four circumstances because we've got to get those pigs and that sow back into the crib where they won't get trampled or eaten up by the other hogs. So what we'd have to do in a sow, a mother sow with those, they will tear you up. So man, listen, we would have to go out. <laughs> 
Ken, we never talked about this before. I know. This is crazy. I love this, man. There's everybody. The comments are going crazy, man. People love this story, dude. I mean, I'm telling you how I got fast, how I got strong, how I got mentally strong, how I how I break through walls. And I literally broke through some walls getting away from homes before. They but chase you know, they chase you? They'll kill you. What? If they if they cut you just a little bit, you know, there's a lot of folks. If you ever see those gangster movies, where do they put the bodies? In the hog pen. Because right. nothing is left. Nothing. Nothing. So, so if they cut you just a little bit, you, you know, that's gonna be they'll kill you. So you gotta figure out how to get away quick. So my granddad, you know, he said, Listen, that's Sal. Hey, look, hey boy. He talked like that. Hey boy, that, that's Sal. She don't have 15 pig down in the down in the hollow. Down there in the hollow. For those of you who don't know what a holla is, it's kind of like down in a little crevice, you know, like a, the land goes down. That's the holla. Oh, you know, that's 15 pig down in the holla. So I was like, okay, okay. You know, he says, I knew what that meant. So he get a big old, uh, a big tin tub, and we go down and we sneak. And then my granddad would take an ear of corn, and then he would start, he'd get the, the side, he'd go, here, sugar. He, he'd put some corn and, and kind of lead her away from the pigs. While she's eating corn, and I'd have to sneak up behind on the backside. Oh my! And God. here's the key: here's how you get pigs not to squeal. Because if they squeal, you're gonna get killed, probably. Oh my so God! You sneak up, and then you grab, you take, you immediately grab their tail. So if you grab their tail, they'll stop squealing right then. They won't squeal. So you grab their tail, and then you pick them up, and they'll just go. Hum, 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 hum. And my will be talking to the hog while. <laughs> And then I'd run back and put one in the tub, and I'd go back and get another one, and I'd get four or five, and all of a sudden she'd turn around, and, and then I'd have to pick that tub off and haul ass. Oh, and my God, dude. I'd be running with four or five little pigs to get away from her. My granddad would be sitting up on the other side of the lab and say, run, boy, run. <laughs> <laughs> and I got away, man, every time because I'm here. Dude, so, so uh, wow, man. That's insane. I, I've never talked it. I mean, I've known you for a few years, man. We've never talked about the hog farm. Wow. So that's some crazy stuff, man. People people don't understand what hard work is. Would you agree with that? I understand that. That's like, man, you you <laughs> go raise hogs and you bail hay and you come up that way. You know, that's how I came up. We lived off the land. I mean, and we didn't have much. So we, we go to those old grocery stores. And we put the old milk and the old orange juice and the old yogurt and the old bread and the molded and stuff like that. My granddad, when we come home, he'd go through the back of the truck and then he would take, you know, three or four slices of molded bread, throw that out. Uh, the yogurt, we would skim off the, the, the mold off the top. We'd eat that, you know, the orange juice, you know, we, that's, that's how we grew up. You know, my, the tomatoes, if they were rotten, he sliced that. Ain't no wrong with that tomato boy. Talking about it. Ain't no wrong with tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that tomato boy. So, 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 dude, wow, that's that's insane. So, you got you. I'm assuming you were going to school all this time too, and 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 you. Um, is that where you stayed and and finished high school and all that? Is in in Kentucky or? No, so I, I elementary, junior high, first part, first year and a half. In Kentucky, then I moved to Florida with my dad, Spring Hill, Florida, suburb town. 
uh, about 35 miles north of Tampa. And then I finished my high school there. Um, Got it. Then I went to college. I got, you know, I went to college for a couple of years and uh, in, uh, in Central Florida Junior College. University of Miami offered me my last two years on a full scholarship, and I got drafted by the San Diego Padres in 1988 to play professional baseball. Wow. Yeah. So I went wow. from to baseball. Dude, okay, so now you're the first professional baseball player I've ever had on the show. Had really? some NFL guys. Really? But yeah, dude, this is this is amazing. So what 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 position did you play in baseball? Left field and center field, depending on who I was playing with. So, you know, played left field and center field. Sometimes I play a little right, but primarily outfield. Could you could you could you throw out a runner at home plate? Oh man, what are you talking about. <laughs> I mean, hey, I was on a hog farm and we had to put the leave. <laughs> I tell you, you you learn how to play some good ball from the Hall Farm. Because you're, you're like, I could run him down from center field. Yeah, man. I, I pick up rocks and I can throw them a country mile. I, my dad say, hit that pond, you know. So I pick up a rock when I was little. And he'd say, listen, I give you a dollar if you hit that pond. And then every day I'd be trying to hit that pond. And, I, and then one day I hit that pond. Wow. And then he backed me up further. He'd say, do it again. Wow. And then, you know, so I just learned. And my arm was extremely strong. I was extremely fast, you know, hog fast. Call it hog fast. You know, I know you pretty well. You're very high energy. If 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 anybody on on here can't tell that, but like you've got the, you also have this edgy, I don't want to say attitude, but confidence and edge of cockiness about you now that can start to come out and tell me how you really feel in a good way in a good in a very good way so so what did what did you at uh, growing up did you like back talk your granddad like Are you crazy stubborn <laughs> grandparents there wasn't no timeouts right I'll give you a little idea how, you know, I go to, you know, Ida Mae was the disciplinary. My grandmother was the one that really put it down. You know, right. So we go to the grocery store and I'd be like, Grandma, can I get some of that? Can I? And my and I'd be asking for this and that. And she'd turn around and go, now shut the hush. She didn't say hush or be quiet. Hush. Hush. Hush up. Hush up. And then I finally be like asking for this and that. Because she'd tell me before we went in the store, listen, we're going in this store, boy, and don't you ask for nothing. I got my list and that's it. Oh we go God. in. I said, Grandma, can I get this? And finally, around, she said, Boy, money don't grow on trees. Now, imagine for all the Southern people out there. Do we got some Southern listeners? I want to, if there's anybody from the South that's got a Southern grandma, I want you to imagine if I would have said, Well, Grandma, where does it grow then? <laughs> I want y'all to imagine if I would have got a timeout. No, I would have got knocked the hell out. <laughs> grandma believed in good old fashioned ass whoopings, man. My grandmother <laughs> tore me up. I'm pretty sure that today they would come pick her up, throw her in jail because she tore <laughs> her up. It had to, man. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny, man. So, so you, um, you didn't. I see these kids today, man, and I think. Oh my God! I would be dead. I, I, they would have found a hog farm to get rid of my body. <laughs> did, you, did you get whoopings? Kid? Oh my God! 
Come on, man. It's like weird to get whoop for people to whoop now. I used to get the, I got the switch. Did you get the switch? I got the switch. My that was my grandma. That did was she get those two little uh leaves on the end of the, of the what's the purpose of them two little leaves on the end? <laughs> all the leaves leave two little ones. <clears throat> man, got me all choked up thinking about them ass whoopings. <clears throat> that is so funny, dude. So what's the purpose? <laughs> so so you ended up, so you got drafted by the San Diego Padres. Yeah. So you head to California, IA, man. Yeah. So you know, 1988, you know, the the I mean Miami Hurricanes was my favorite school, it was like an absolute dream of mine to get drafted by the Miami Hurricanes. I mean right. get my national letter. I was the first player, believe it or not, for the University of Miami baseball to get a, a full scholarship. They don't get full scholarship because they're a private school. Most people don't know that. Uh, wow. So you have to subsidize. So I was the first player that got a full ride. And so I'm all like, man, you know, <clears throat> absolutely pumped up, ready to go to Miami, my dream. Then I get drafted. And then San Diego says, here, you can have all this money. So imagine me being, I think I was 18 or 19 years old. You can have all this money. Uh, or you can continue to go to college and try to eat spaghetti 45 different ways. So I, was, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm done. Right, I, I'm I, figured I figured I could always go back and finish it. Right. I never went back. Right, right. <clears throat> One of my biggest accomplishments is that I learned to be successful without a college degree. I know you can relate to that. And I've hired and I've uh, had people work for me, a gang of people with all kinds of degrees. And I'm telling people all the time, the degree you really need is the degree in real life. Things that work, stuff that's like capitalism, exchanging products and services for profit. Yeah, that's what really uh, works. So you were, so you went out to, you went out to San Diego. You were playing. You played. How long did you play? I played four years with the in the Padres organization. We won two minor league championships, 1991-1992. I won two back-to-back stolen base championships. 1991, I stole 82 bases. So I was getting it, man, you know, out of 103 attempts. So that's about 80%. I'm always proud of that because Ricky Henderson, the greatest of all time, is 63%. <clears throat> so that year. Wow. So I ended up, you know, um, and then 1992, you know, after <clears throat> I won my – second stolen base championship, I am, I was going to the major leagues the next year. Then I freaked out all of my family because I was the first professional athlete out of Winchester and out of Spring Hill. And so I was in the newspapers pretty much every day. Wow. Following me. And then I said, no, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go find out why I'm really here. So I went on a big, deep spiritual journey and I took an entire year off. Of baseball. Yeah. to go Right when I was going to major leagues to go find myself. Wow. And did you go back? Yeah, I went back after a year. I thought I wasn't going to go back because I was wanting to find myself. And so as I was digging spiritually, emotionally, mentally, I mean, I went, my mom, dude, I'm going to trip you out with this. Now I'm about to go to major leagues. So all of my boys, they're like, hey, all right, here we go. We come up together one. So Bruce Bochy, if anybody knows that name. He just retired as the manager of the San Francisco Giants, won three World Series. He's going into the Hall of Fame. He was my manager. Wow. So he's going to the major league. So we just won back-to-back championships. He's going up, and most of that team is going up to the major league. I wow. just had to quit. And so everybody's freaking out. So I went on this deep spiritual journey. 
And that journey taught me the, the foundation of how to think for myself and how to decide of, okay, if I'm going to believe something, am I going to believe what somebody else is telling me to believe my influences from my grandparents, my parents, or am I going to believe based upon my own thoughts? And I'm telling you, that was one of the greatest things I've ever done. Um, after I, I got to the point where I felt okay. And here's where it took me to, Ken. It took me to, I'm done caring about what everybody else thinks. I'm mm. done living for everybody else's expectations. As a matter of fact, during that year, my mother used to cry almost every day because I went and stayed with my mother for a little bit and I got a job at Stanley Steamer cleaning carpets. Dude, hold it. You gave up professional baseball to clean carpets? One of my most proud, prideful moments ever. <laughs> Every time I see a young truck go by, I go, man, that's the bomb right there. I love that because that experience, man, I'm going to tell you. And pe this is what you're talking about. See, I went and, and I, they hired me. They said, now, you're a professional. Babe, what are you doing? I said, I got to find myself and I need to make some money while I'm finding myself. So I went to clean carpets. And so I started off as an assistant. And then the guy goes, look, you see this bottle of spot remover. He goes, uh, your job as an assistant is to keep the hose moving from the crew chief. Just keep him moving. Keep him going through the house. Go chip all the furniture. Make sure you know people's furniture don't stain. But when you get a little uh, away where he can get out the door, you go grab the owner of the house, find a spot, and see if you can sell a spot remover. And so uh, he was telling this to all the assistants every day. So when I would go out, Ken, I made it a point to sell those spot removers. And I sold more spot removers than anybody in the nation. Wow. And so after just three months, they offered me my own truck. So I became a crew chief. Wow. <laughs> and dude. In about three months from then, I was doing more add-on sales than anybody in the entire nation of Stanley Steamer. <laughs> They're like, we got to make him the CEO, man. He knows. Well, I, started, I, I go in a house on a $49 job or $99. I come out with about four or $500. I'd add on some. I get two or three rooms, get your couch. I sell you a guaranteed plan. And I come out and I'd be like, hey. I just did some more volume because the guy, I'd always hear the, the manager of the headquarters going, well, who's got the, who's going to do some volume today? So I got good at it. I said, oh, this guy loves volume. I said, I just got me some more volume. <laughs> and I started ringing, man. And see, what's the point of the story? Hold it. I, I, I got to go back. Let's, before we get to the point of the story, because I get the point of the story, but before we get there, I want to remind everybody that Jay was playing for the freaking San Diego Padres going up from the minor league team into the major leagues yep. and said, hold up, hold on, before we do that, I need to go clean me some carpet. <laughs> we call it sucking rugs, baby. I had to go suck some rugs. <laughs> Dude, okay, so the point of the story is, is – I had a, a guy that owned the number one restaurant in Yuma, Arizona. This guy named Todd. When I first got drafted by the San Diego Padres, 
I go in his restaurant and we would eat. And he kind of took a liking to me. And then after one day, he says, hey, you want to go out and drive out in the desert with me? I got these uh, greyhounds that I rehab. You know, they're going to take them and kill them. I get them and I go rescue them. And I, I take care of them and get them on farms and whatnot. So I've got one name now named Zach. Remember old Zach, think of fly. So he took me out in the desert with him. And Zach would chase these, these jackrabbits. And they'd be flying around. And while Jack, where Zach was chasing these Zach, these uh, jackrabbits, this man said to me, he says, you know why I got the number one restaurant in all of Yuma County, Arizona? I said, why? He says, because when I was a busser, which is goes cleans up the table and gets the dishes, I was the best busser there was. And because I was the best busser, I got a promotion to dishwasher. And the guy, Kim, was saying it with like, fire in it. Mm. It kind of struck me, you know, I'm like, this dude's got the, this beautiful restaurant, number one, written up in all these magazines. And he goes, and because I was the best dishwasher, mm. I became a waiter. And because I was the best waiter, I got a promotion to assistant manager. And because I was the best assistant manager, I got a promotion to manager. And because I was the best manager, I ended up being able to get my own restaurant. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that whatever you do, do it with all you've got, life is gonna continue to give you promotions. So when I had that carpet cleaning job, I remember what he told me. And so when the guy says sell a spot remover, I said, I'm gonna be the best at selling spot removers. Wow. When he said, hey, you go out here and you're a crew chief, I go in and I give people great service and I would talk to them and I would clean those rugs. And by the way, every day I came home, my mom would cry again. She'd go, you're not a carpet cleaner. You're a professional baseball player. Uh, <laughs> this was almost every day. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I'm sure she did. I want to cry, man. Like, oh, I can't yeah. believe this. My grandparents were upset. Everybody, was, I was in the newspapers, nobody. And then all of a sudden, dude, I got through that at the, about the end of that year. And I went. Kind of like uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> you remember when he was out on the boat? <laughs> you said, said kind of like Forrest Gump. Oh my God! Jumped in the water, man. You know, remember that? It just, you know, I just that was it. I just said, Boop. and I called my agent up. I said, "Hey, I'm coming back," and immediately. She put a wire. She's oh, he's coming back. The Padres called me. I said, all right, man, listen, we're gonna get you out here. But there was like, I think there was like a, a month left in the season. Like, we're gonna get you out. Uh, we'll get you to Vegas uh, AAA. Uh, go out to show what you got. We'll call you up. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not uh, coming back to the Padres. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, I'm not coming back to the Padres. They said, why? I said, I want a different environment. And they're like, but you've we have your rights. They said the only way that you can uh, relinquish your rights, you have to set out a complete year. I said, all right. So called my dad up. said, dad, I'm coming back down to stay with you to work out in Florida until the year ends and I become a free agent. And I told my, uh, and my one of my close friends, he had got traded to the Colorado Rockies and it was their first inaugural year in 1993. His name is yeah. Jay Gaynor. Y'all can look him up. He's one of, I think, of like 13 players that his first pitch, first at bat, home run. They got his bat in the Hall of Fame. His first wow. pitch, 
first at bat home run. So I called Jay up. I said, Jay, how's the Rockies? Now, how's the organization? He said, man, you know, I love it over here, you know. And I said, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a free agent. I'm not going back. He says, you ain't going back? I'm like, nope. I said, uh, why don't you just put a word in and I'm going to tell my agent. He goes, dude, they're going to grab you like fast. So my my agent, I want to go play with the Rockies with my boy Jay. They they signed me to the deal. And I had my best year ever, 1994. I was hitting like 400, man, for like, they put me in, they put me in double A to go, okay, see if you still got it. So I went to double A, boom, rocked it. They kept me there for like a month, sent me to triple A, Colorado Springs, boom. I was hitting like almost 400 for like three or four months. And then I was hitting like 390 in August. They said, hey, man, you're getting called up on September 1st, you know, with all the call-ups. Now you hit, now you hit your major league. What happened August 12th, 1994 for all you baseball folks out there? Anybody know? Anybody in your comments? <laughs> Nobody said anything yet. August 12th. Strike. Uh, I'm having my greatest year. I'm killing it here. Mm. Hey, hey, September 1st, you're going up. August 12th, baseball strike. Oh, dude, that's right. So, and I'm like, oh, that's going to be a little short-term thing. It ended up going... They admit this is the first time ever a World Series hasn't happened. <laughs> it's the first time ever. Oh my God, dude. Look at this. Jill Wall says, What? That's my wife. That's that's the beautiful Miss Jill. Yeah. Jill, I'm like, so I, I was tired, I was exhausted, I couldn't shut down. So the season ends, and I'm like, oh, I need to let my body rehab, especially after taking a year off. I've had this great year. I can now write my ticket because I just killed it in 94. I can write my – everybody – I've got newspaper articles I'm going to send you, Ken. They're following this stuff. <laughs> and they're going – because they're like, can you still do it? Well, and I'm killing them. You know why I killed them in 19 – this should help everybody. I stopped caring about what everybody else thinks. Mm. And I stopped overthinking mm. and I simplified my whole thought process to see the ball, hit the ball, catch the ball, run. And I'm telling you, it was just that simple. And I just, I had one of the greatest times of my life. I just was not caring. But when that baseball strike hit, most people don't know this, but what happens is the the uh, the Latin League, the Spanish, the Latin teams, so Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Mexico, they will go send – they will send uh, scouts to recruit because the major league season for the for the Latin country starts in October. Mm-hmm. October, November, December, January. And so this, I'm talking about a full-scale major league where you've got twenty to 45,000 people in the stadium every wow. night. And so mm-hmm. – uh, the Caracas from from Caracas, Laguada Tiburones, they came and recruited me, and gave me a great contract to go play there. And I lived in Caracas, Venezuela, for those four months. And man, it was off the hook. Experience. Really, man, in Venezuela, I lived in Caracas. You can't go there now. I mean, this is oh. <laughs> it. It was it was crazy when I first went. Wow, dude. They told me. They said, hey, you got to go work, walk down certain streets. If you get off the path, you're probably going to get kidnapped. You're going to get killed. 
It's got, and in Caracas is the highest murder rate per capita of any city in the world. Oh my God. But I stayed in the Anaco Hilton, the beautiful, I had this beautiful suite. They had this downtown Caracas Hilton. They have these suites. And uh, I have my own two-story condo in, in the Anaco Hilton. And I'm going out to the stadium. And if anybody, go on YouTube and look up La Guaida Tiburones. Tiburones stands for sharks. And it's the party in this team in <laughs> America. The wow. party in town. They have a samba. And so I don't care how how your energy is. You're out there in about the about the first second inning, all of a sudden it's like twenty dollars. You know, a lot of times it'd be about forty thousand in the stadium. And all of a sudden you'd hear, I'm in center field, you'd hear <laughs> and then all the crowd would go. <sighs> <laughs> And then I'll bring you, and the whole crowd can is shaking. The whole thing, and I was in center field. I start doing a little merengue, little song. I'd be rocking with the crowd, you know, and they'd be saying, "Nolan, Presidente." Man, I'm clowning here with you today. I hope I'm not open, man. It's only eight something in the morning, though. Dude, so I know it's not, man. It's almost noon here. So, so, so look, you, so you were, um, at what kind of, was there a huge, um, money difference from, I, I mean, there had to have been, right? Like from, from playing here to going to Latin America. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Great money. Was it? Don't, don't pay for no food. You don't pay for nothing. Wow. Everything's wow. paid for. You know? So how long did you stay down there playing? About four months. I stayed all the way until January. And then, you know, February, mid-February, spring training starts up. And when I was there, uh, I became a free agent because the Rockies only signed me to one year. So they were trying to sign me again. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go back. Because, dude, believe it or not, I had the I had the greatest year, and I'm not gonna say no names, but this manager I had there was just mm, not right. Where at the Rockies? Yeah, that year I don't know that that manager that year. I'm telling you, it was because, dude, I'm he he I was killing it, and the locker room you got all these veterans. So like in AAA, you're dealing with. Top of the top, and a lot of times when the major league team has just got two stacked, they will take some of the major leaguers and put them on the AAA. So you got guys in the locker room that can be making a million or two million a year. Yeah. But it's just so thick a competition up at the majors. And so all these veterans were in there, and here's me, my first year in there. And I came in, man, and I, I after about a week or so, I was the one who influenced what music we listened to in the locker room. Wow. And, you know, and, and I set the tempo for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it was the hog farm in me, man. But I just <laughs> set the tempo on how it was going to be. And I'm killing it, man, hitting it. And then one day the manager calls me in his office and he goes, I just got to have a serious conversation. I'm like, hey, what's going, what's going on? He goes, <laughs> he starts to cry. I'm like, I'm like, he goes, you come up here. You don't know how hard some of us have had it. Here you come up here. And you you have a, just 
getting all these hits and having all this success, and then you come <laughs> in a locker room and you change the music. <laughs> you know, you haven't, I don't, you haven't paid the price you're supposed to pay. Oh my god, dude! I'm do like. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Is this stuff for real? <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought I was in the Twilight Zone. He so was from that day on, kid. I was like, mm. <clears throat> "Wow, people don't know what goes on, man." And it's, so, uh, it, it, it's it, it's probably that unbelievable amount of confidence, man. You've got, uh, and I, I mean, you know, I've hung out with you, man. You've got a super high level of confidence. And and that's one of the things I love about you, man. You don't let, you don't let anything hold you back. How long? So did you, did you get out after that? What, where'd you go from there, man? I got in a bidding war between the Rockies and the Mariners. And the reason the Mariners wanted me to go because I killed them that year. You know, every (laughs) game, I just killed them. You know, I remember one time playing them. They, they, their triple A team was in Calgary, Alberta, uh, Canada. Yeah. It was one game, man. I come up to first at bat, base hit to left field. Second at bat, I'm up. I go, I hit one. I go, ah, that ball is out of here. So I start jogging. And then all of a sudden I hear, I'm like, the hell is that? The ball hit off the top of the wall. And I'm like, oh, so run, slide into second base, barely made it. And the coach is yelling at me, you're supposed to run. Where are you going? I'm like, man, I thought I had this. I was a home run. <laughs> I thought it was out. Right, so I'm like, okay, dude, this is the zone I was in. Next at bat, I go same trajectory, but I'm like, I got that one for sure. I start jogging, <laughs> it hits off the very, very, very tip of the wall. Oh my god, <laughs> slide in a second. So now I'm three for three, I got two doubles. Sleep. <laughs> I come back up the next at bat. I say, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure. I could I literally was in that zone. I go, pow! I'm almost in the same area, and I just start hauling ass running. And then all of a sudden, it's over, the- over the fence. <laughs> so I'm four for four, and I'm talking about within five to six feet from each other. Wow. So the Mariners, man, they were like, we don't want faces do no more. Wow. So I signed my major league invite uh contract with the Mariners. And so 1995, I'm going to Major League Camp. Going to be playing next to Ken Griffey Jr. Wow. You know, I'm about to do my thing. And so the baseball strike in 95 was still going on through spring training. Oh, my gosh. So they came to us and said, do you want to cross the line? We'll get, they offered us all this money to cross the picket line. Yeah. And I said, there's no way I'm going to be called a scam ever. Uh-uh. I said, my son will never know that his dad. I said, nope. So I just decided to go down and stay at AAA until they worked it out. So it was about a month before they worked it out. I'm hitting 370 my first month in Tacoma and AAA. Jeez. And then you see that scar right there, right here? That scar right there, right Uh there. That was it. I felt some twinge in my arm. I went in, had had to have season-ending elbow surgery. Uh so I was a little depressed then. And, uh, <laughs> Hold it, you got depressed. Yeah, man. I had to go see a psychologist, everything. Wow. I was taking Zola, they put me on antidepressants. I was I was gone. So you so when that happens, 
so uh, okay so you weren't you weren't in the majors you were still in the minors for yeah. the major league uh, major league contract invite contract okay but i opted on the triple a not to cross the line <clears throat> but you're still you like even at triple a don't you get paid yeah you get paid pretty good money there yeah Probably so, good money. so when you get injured what 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 happens to your pay They'll give you like workers comp and for oh. a little bit. That's it. You're done. Done. Were you done then? Were you out? I couldn't. They told me it was going to be a, uh, a year minimum rehab. Uh, so I'm like, and so then that's when a good friend of mine, you know, showed me how about direct sales and marketing and whatnot. And I came in and I started learning about how to build my own business. Yeah. And after my year of rehab, my elbow actually got stronger. So then all these teams were coming back after me. And I was like, you know, do I want to go back and play and have this happen to me where some, if I get injured, I can, I'm done. Or do I need to start learning how to build residual income? Do I start needing to learn how to make money to where I'm controlling my own future, owning my own business. And so after a year, when I could have went back, I said, no, not going back. I'm going to build my own business. And I took the exact mentality of being a professional athlete at the highest level. I mean, at the time on the room, on the road, my roommate, while they were working all that stuff out was Alex Rodriguez. So he was, he's my roommate on the road. Cause he's he, that's why when he was going up, he was 19 years old at the time. <clears throat> and uh, just, you mean JLo's Alex Rod, that uh, the yeah. a rod. Yeah. Wow. My boy. Wow. You know, was my boy at the time. So, uh, you know, here I am rolling with A Rod about to play next to Griffey. All of a sudden, it's gone. So I said, "Look, I just want to go in and control my future." Wow, and that's what I, I just took the same passion that it took me to get there, and I put it in business. I put it in life. I put it in marriage. I put it in being a dad. That's how I live. So, so you went from there, you got into the direct, um, direct selling dude. So did you never have this thought of, I mean, I've met some professional athletes that, um, great, some great, great, great people. And some that are just stuck in 1991. Yeah in the prime of their years yeah. and they're still like, ah, I was this, I was all that and a bag of potato chips. And, okay. and I, I, you know, and, and they're stuck there. And it's like, I know, I know, man, that's impressive as hell, but what do you, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> right? Like what, are, what, what are you doing with your life? And you don't live like that. Nope. Like I've never even heard all these stories. Like never. No. Nope. Because you don't talk about it. I don't talk about it. I just do life. But so, uh, go ahead. No. So where did? So what happened? You got into the direct selling deal. What? What? Where did things go from there for you, man? Started building, learning how to create. You know, get other people's efforts working. How to build teams. And it took me a while, man. Like you know, I, I struggled <clears throat> for a couple of years. Then I figured out how to do it. And that's the same thing in life. We figured out how to talk. We figured out how to walk. We figured out how to read, how to write. Whatever you put your mind to, you just have to decide, 
Are you going to figure it out? Because everything can be figured out. And so this is what's crazy because the, the discipline it takes to become a professional athlete is ridiculous. One in 500,000 kids that play baseball out in little leagues and, and uh, high school ever make it, ever even sign a professional baseball contract let alone make it to the major leagues, one in 500,000. So the discipline, I've been around that. I've, I've been in the thickest competition. I played with Mike Piazza and Pedro Martinez. We all came up together, Raul Mondes. You name all these big names, a lot of these guys you see in the Hall of Fame now, I played with and balled out with them toe-to-toe. And so, and it's thick competition you have to perform every day and you have to learn you either perform or you're out and so that mentality i just took it and put it in the light and so ken i think what would be awesome just i'm kind of going out because i've been wanting to do this maybe you and i should collaborate on a course or something for ex-professional athletes and college mm. athletes that have that shatter and maybe yeah. we can help them get this mindset straight because if they take the same mindset and put it into business they're going to be successful. You know, I, I'm actually, you said Mike Piazza. That's hilarious. I'm friends with Mike Piazza's nephew, Tony. Yeah. Tell and, Tom, and, tell Tom, what's his name? Tommy? Tony. 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 Yeah. And it's his nephew? They're over in Philly. Yeah. Yeah. I say, Tony, call Mike and say, ask him if he ever, has he ever thrown Jay Nolan out? Ever. <laughs> has he? Never. I've been <laughs> Mike all the time. We talking trash. I'm coming to the plate, and Mike, oh, yeah. he cool too. Like, what's up, Jay? Like, what's up? So you know you ain't getting. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting your ass today. I'm like, you ain't kidding me. And I get him. You know, I, I got honestly, dude, because I I played some a, a buddy of mine that was a an anchor man at a TV station in West Virginia when I lived over in Charleston. Um, he says, "Hey, man, you wanna you wanna join this men's league baseball team?" And I was like. 28 and i said sure he's like yeah it's just a bunch of you know older dudes that get together and play ball and i get out there and and we we face the first team and it's it's not a bunch of older dudes it's a bunch of freaking triple a players that are and like and and dude i i'm just gonna say this for anybody that's ever stepped up to the plate and have a 90 mile an hour fastball come at your head like 90 miles an hour you say you watch it on tv and you're like yeah i did that when i played little league no that's a 32 mile an hour fastball we're talking like a 90 mile it's like you don't even have time to think about it and to be able to get in into that that level, man, like it takes so much freaking focus. It it's it's crazy. They say so, it's they say it's like physiology, like what like what uh, physiology or something like that. Like not even like scientifically possible for the human <laughs> brain to react that quick. It's not. They say it's not. They said it's not really human scientifically possible to be able to react. I mean, you got to think about it because you got to think about it. That ball is getting to the plate from the time. This is what's so crazy. From the time, say the pitcher's in his in his, in his stand, <laughs> in the stretch. From the time he moves any portion of his body, 
The ball is in the mitt on average in 1.3 seconds. Yeah. That don't include his wide. That don't include no. all that. <laughs> so when you see the guy go here and here, that ball, when he lets it out of his hands, it's about 0.2.3 seconds. It's in it. It's crazy. And, and and to be able to hit it, which I never did, but to be able to <laughs> which I never did. I know. No. I was good at crowding the plate, and that's why they threw it in my head and I'd get walked a lot. But Ooh. but I, I'm telling you, because pitchers don't like that shit when you do that. But anyway, so so like it's it's cr- you have to see it come off his fingertips, and that's when you swing. <laughs> I'm not making <laughs> I just close you know, my eyes and swing. But you know, my, my first year in uh, in, I go to my first spring training with the Padres, and I'm walking, and I'm coming down by the batting cages, and I look over, and Tony Gwynn, he's wow. over there, he's over there hitting off the tee. I'm like, what the hell's Tony Gwynn? The great to me, the greatest hitter of all time. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell's Tony? I'm like 19 years old, walking up, and he's like. And I was like, hey, Mr. Gwynn, how you doing? Man, you're like one of my heroes. I just said, hey, young man, how you doing? I said, let me ask you a question. Why are you hitting off the tee? You know? He's like, because I make sure that I'm always have mastering my mechanics. Mm. He says, so that when I decide to swing, I'm going to be on point. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when I decide to swing. Wow. And so he said, just, you said, yeah, I want, and so that's what I did. I hit off T every day. Once I heard him do that, all every day. And man, I watched him do stuff that's just ridiculous. You know, I got to play, you know, I played you know, Sandy Alomar Jr., you know. Wow. Robbie Alomar, you know, Carlos Baerga, you know, all of us were in one camp at one time, you know. Dude. So, so you went into the direct selling world, and um, I know, you killed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my network globally now from that is um, somewhere around two, three million people. It's insane. But, you know, I'm also, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Rick. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm like this lightning rod in the industry, believe it or not. But, you know, I didn't, and again, I didn't want it to just be about that. So what I do, I created a media company. That's how me and Ken are connected, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Know? So that's my passion now. My focus now is I want to dominate in the media company and in the media industry. And I think we're doing, you know, we got a pretty good start. And, you know, you know, I've got personal stuff that I put out for, for personal growth. So everything I put out from a personal growth perspective, just for anybody listening, everything I've talked about today, that mentality is on all my trainings. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it is. And I love Mark Rodriguez um, is, is on here. He says, make the connection between our inability to hit a fastball and the speed with which we need to adapt, adapt to and change our limiting beliefs. So tell me, and, and, and I love this, man, because even if you're somebody that's never played baseball, if you've ever been to I mean, even at, at the highest high school level, they're throwing pretty hard. They're, I mean, they're, you know, some of them are throwing just as fast as some of the major league guys. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're getting they're they're fixing to come up as <laughs> right. So so so, 
people have these limiting beliefs. And I know there's no way that just growing up on a dang hog farm is what helped you overcome limiting beliefs. You've got to still have them. You've got to have your moments where you're like, yeah, I just lost all faith in myself there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, life is going to life on. It's going to check you. It's going to be just like, like you said, you're going to get hit in the head by, I've got hit in the head by 95, 95 mile an hour fastballs. I've, had, I've, I've got hit in the ribs from 95 to 96 mile an hour fastballs. I mm. mean, you know, to where, and, and and not the kind where it hits and glances off of you, but the kind where it goes poop and the ball drops straight down. That means all 95 mile an hour just went into your ribs. I mean, that's where you're like. <laughs> you can't even talk for like ever. It takes you forever to talk. Oh my God, it hurts so bad, man. But what it, but what, but what it does, oh. man, is that you, are you going to get back in the box? And I'm telling you, success is no different. Tony Gwynn, he told me, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you one of the major secrets. He goes, all I do is when the pitcher's up there, I stare directly at his hat. I just keep my eyes focused on his hat. I said, his hat. And he goes, now, as soon as he makes his first movement, just so my eyes don't get uh, too lazy. He goes, so he makes his first movement. I then immediately picture an imaginary box. So if he's right-handed, I'm going to picture an imaginary box where I think the ball is going to come through. God. He goes, I'm just, I'm pick, I go from this hat, and then I look over, and I'm looking, you know, if it's left-handed or right-handed, I'm looking to see where that ball is going to come through. And he told me this, Ken, and it changed everything. He goes, if I look, do, if, look at this. He goes, if you do that, if you do that fast enough, imaginary box, everything's going to slow down for you in slow motion. He goes, your, your eyes are miracles. He goes, and then eventually you'll get good at where it slows down to where you see those two fingers on the back of the ball, and you know that's a fastball. He goes, it'll slow down. If you see those two fingers on the side of the ball, that's a slider. If you see those two fingers on top of the ball, that's a curveball. If you see that ball choke back in the fingers, that's a changeup. Man. Come on, dude. And so that's how I got great at hitting. Dude. Like I got, I was good. I got the great because I started slowing that down and saying, oh, fastball. Huh, slider. Huh. It looks just like that. Once you get it enough, like it's like, Oh, I see. And then so when you can see it right here, then you got it. Jeez, man. And then you got to trust your, then all of a sudden you get into trusting your body. And most hitters, I could do a whole in hitting instructional video, help a bunch of people. Most hitters, man, they, you know, because here it's coming that way. So you want to step the way it's coming. You want to step towards it. Watch my head. And this is what people are doing in life. They're doing this. Life's coming at them. They're going, now, when that head moves, that ball jumps. So your head has to be still while you step. Now, right now, y'all don't know it, but if you look a little bit up over here, I'm going to get this back. Camera's backwards. But if you look, I'm stepping. You see this a little bit, but my head's not moving. Why? Because I'm sitting back and I'm waiting for the ball to travel and I'm going to react to it based on traveling and I'm going to hit 
from a, a point of, of power, not weakness. So most people are jumping at life, like most hitters jump at the ball, and you're going to miss it. Your eyes are going to jump. Your life is going to jump. But if you learn to step back and let that ball travel, even and you're expecting a fastball, that means to hit great, you've got to expect a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball every time. Wow. You cannot look for a curveball because if it's a fastball, the ball's in the mitt. You can't adjust to it. But you can adjust to a curve, to a changeup, to a slider once you're expecting a fastball. So what does that mean in life and how I train? Expect for things to be great. Mm. Expect that things are going to go your way. Expect you're going to get that sale. Expect you're going to have a great relationship. Expect you're going to be a great parent. Now, if it throws you a curve, stay back and adjust wow dude we should just end right there we're not going to but my god that was good that's that's amazing man so so god i don't even know where to go from there dude i i, I, I that doesn't happen very often man i like to talk <laughs> So, so you, you, and there's Kelly, Kelly Williams. She's amazing. Her husband played in the NFL. So, hey, hey, Kelly, what's up? So, so, dude, um, you were, and my wife, my wife's typing out everything you say. So, 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 you did really, really well in direct selling, but you, I, I mean, I've been, I've been in your, you invited me to Vegas. What was that? Two years ago? Yeah. April, 2019. Yep. So I was out there for the red event and it was dude. <laughs> holy crap. I mean, you are the king of firing up a crowd, man. Like you just, got people fired up it was incredible and and i got to hang out with you and your team and have dinner in that private room it was awesome um and it was good <laughs> it was really good oh, yeah. so 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 you um recently you put out a book do you have a copy of your book with you by the way right there look at that 365 quotes to make you better. better. Dude. You know, and you know what that is? That's me self-coaching myself. Wow. Just like I'm doing here. I'm self as I'm talking to you, I'm I continue and coaching me. So everything I say, I'm listening to it. Wow. And I, just like when I because you have to visualize. So I'm saying the words, I'm listening to it. And then I'm like, and I'm challenging me at the same time. I'm like, don't be talking trash that you ain't going to back up. You know, that's right. So just like when I tell Mike Piazza, hey, I'm going to get this base. You know, I'm about to steal. Or I'm, I'm gone. You know, so, you know, you got to be willing to back it up. So what I did with this book is a very simple book. It's, it's I get up every day and I coach myself. I'll say something out of my spirit from all of my past experiences. I'm 52 years old now. So from all these years that I've had to learn to adapt and overcome, you know, Kim, my dad shot himself when he was, when I was seven and wow. lived through it. And I was close by. 
And, and it tripped my mom out to where my dad, after he lived through it and he got better, she just up and left one day, left a note on the table, and she was gone. So wow. when I was seven and eight, I went to my dad, shot himself. My mom was gone. She took my sister. I didn't know where she was at forever. I'm like, <laughs> so how did I overcome? Well, Jim, Willie, and Ida Mae, they were there to nurture me, show me that love. But there's something along the way. I kept getting in front of good coaches. Coach Johnson, in my when I was 13 years old, I played junior high football. Coach Johnson, that's my man. Because he made us tough. Yeah, we could have practiced on the nice, plush, little, beautiful grass over here. No, 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 no. He said, you see this gravel with the little bitty patches of, of grass over here? We're going over here. So that when you step on that nice grass, you dominate. So he made us tough. You know, mm -hmm. Roy Walton, he made us tough. When I got playing, you know, Coach Martinson in, in, in college, made us tough. When I got to, uh, you know, playing professional, Bruce Bochy, he made us tough. And so... All these things that have made me strong mentally, I've learned to coach myself, and I put them in 365 quotes to make you better. Now, what's best about this book is that I created a program called 365 Confidential over on jnolancoaching.net, so 365 Confidential. So anybody that gets a copy of this book, they can take their Amazon receipt, go over to jnolancoaching.net, and they can enter on 365 Confidential that they bought this book. And then I give them a year access because every single quote in this book, I, I take time out during the week and I go 10 to 15 minutes on that quote and bring that whole quote to whole, a whole nother level of life. So I normally charge about 97 bucks a month for that, but I'm going to do just to launch this and create a tribe of people who want to be mentally tough. I'm going to let them get in just for buying a copy of that book. I'm going to give them a whole year's access to that 365 Confidential. Now, uh, uh, Mark Mark Rodriguez, um, that's A-Rod's cousin. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. What's up, Mark? Mark, hey, that's Mark Mark's, Mark's my boy. Okay. I love Mark. He, I love wants Mark. To, he wants to pay, pay for a signed copy, man. Is that possible? Oh, man, I'm going to send him a signed copy, you know? You know, let's let's – Let's, let's do that for about 10, 15 of your top key people over there. Let's give them a signed copy on, you know, for, for this is my a blessing to Ken Walls. Not that it's anything special, but maybe it'll help somebody. Wow, dude. I want a signed copy. Yeah. <laughs> what I do is I'll send like, I'll send like 10, 15 signed copies of you, Ken, and you can get them out to your key people. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Wow. So, so, um, yeah, look, everybody's saying I want to sign. There's, uh, you know her. That's my wife, Lena. <laughs> you know what I love about Lena? Besides everything, yeah. she freaking worships the ground you walk on, man. I do she, the same for her. I know you do, man. You guys are just, you're just adorable, man. <laughs> we back to back. That's my soulmate, and I'm sticking with it. I love it, man. I love it. So, um. So, dude, I, I got and, and we're a little bit over on time. That's okay. It's my show. Um, and it's you don't gotta ask nobody. No, nah, uh -uh. I don't. You love that man. I don't have to ask nobody. Don't have to ask anyone. Nobody. So, so one of the questions I ask everybody when I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't go to college. I didn't play professional sports. Um, I didn't even graduate high school. My senior year, they said, 
you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And I said, yeah, it, that's a, I, I hated that class, like stupid. And they're like, you got to have it to graduate though. And I'm like, well, that's even stupider. And so I, I just, I walked out and never went back, but that was my senior year. And, it, you know, um, but I've employed a lot of college graduates and, you know, I've, I've, um, you know, right. Yeah. But, you know, dude, there, there was this time when my wife and I had just opened up our first office about six or eight months in one of my employees walks into my office. Uh, Hey, Hey boss. Uh, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, well, bro, you're bigger than I am. Go tell him, get the hell out of here. And he's like, I, I, I would, but he's got it blocked with his tow truck. And I was like, oh, no, that was a bad day, man. You cannot, you cannot talk the, the repo man out of repo and your, your stuff, man. And so, so for anybody, you know, the last year, a lot of people have said, man, 2020 has been tough and blah, 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 blah. Um, for me, 2020 has been absolutely amazing. I love 2020. It's awesome. I know. So, so for anybody though, that's going through it and they're, they're stuck or maybe they've had, they're getting their electric cut off or it's been cut off or they're getting their, their car repoed or they're, you know, they're worn out with ramen noodles and, or whatever. Like, what do you say to them to help them? I mean, dude, the suicide rate is through the roof in the last 12 months, man. What do you say to somebody to help them overcome that mental stuff that's going on? Help them get unstuck, man. Well, a person's got to make a choice. Do they want? to continue or not. You know, I love the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks. By the way, if you look in that movie, his name is Chuck Nolan. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Must be my cousin, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, when they asked him after he, all those years on that island, he got back, he said, how in the hell did you do it? And I say this to myself pretty much weekly, if not a couple times a week. I remind myself of what he said. He says, I just kept breathing. Do you want to keep breathing or not? And what ends up happening is most people, they come to a point where they feel like it's hopeless. Now, if you want to just, at least if you want to keep breathing, if things could get better, I'm here to tell you things can get better, but you're going to have to get some tools. You're going to have to get around the right influences. Yeah. And so, like, for example, Ken, he's a coach. So you're going to have to get some coaching. You have to get some a coach as an influencer, somebody that can kind of nudge you the right way. You ain't that far off. Everything you got, everything that you need to be great is in you. It just has to be activated. So but, what I have to do is I learned to figure out how to get around people that can push some buttons to activate me. And uh, I got good enough at it to where I started creating activation things for people as well. So there's people out there, Ken. People just got to want to keep breathing. Once you decide, I want to keep breathing, you immediately look for the right influence. And the right influence will get you the right tools. And if you're watching this and you've got a person like Ken Walls, he's got the tools, man, 
to be able to help you, nudge you along. Ken's around great influences. I'm around him. He's around me. We know all these different people that we're getting connected with to where we can get you connected. Do you want to be in the tribe of the of, of the people that get right? You know, I got my club on, on Clubhouse called Get Right Club. Why? Because you can get right. Anything that's wrong, we can help you get right. And life is always available for those who want to be available to life. So I'm here to tell you, if I can do it, if I can overcome the devastation of my dad shooting himself next to me, to me sitting there looking through that hospital window, through that glass window, seeing him all stitched up, and me having that bottled up into me all those years. And I'm talking about just about four years ago, in my house, I said to my dad, finally, dad, why did you want to leave me? Mm. And my dad puts his head down, Ken. He was just like, son, I was just dumb and stupid and trying to impress your mother. She was going to leave me. And I just, maybe I thought that that would make her stay with me. Wow. And then, that's when I realized everybody is just simply working with the tools that they've got to work with. That's it. And if you get tapped into what you need, then we will get all that released out of you and stop beating yourself up. Like I beat myself up for so many years, but I just kept breathing though. I didn't give up. I kept breathing. I kept looking for, and I got around some good coaches that would encourage me. And the next thing you know, bam. And guess what? I'm going through hell right now. Yeah. I'm going through hell right now. Yeah, I had some of the craziest situations you could ever imagine on my life right now. But guess what? I'm going to keep breathing. I'm going to keep applying everything I've learned because on the other side of them tough things is the great things. Every time. There's not one time that something great is not on the other side of the tough thing. And the tougher the thing is, the greater the other side is. Amen, dude. So I'm, 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 so now that's why I created Motivate XP. M-O-T-I-V-E, the number eight XP. Go to MotivateXP.com. You want to talk about some fire. Ken, I don't know if you mind me saying this or not. Say it, dude. But I'm telling you, through the hell that I'm going through about six months ago, I've been going through hell for the, about the past year. I decided instead of me waiting on the other side of the hell, of creating this training. I said, I'm going to create this training in the hell. Mm. So I'm going to use this training right now while I'm in the hell to come out of the hell. So I created Motivate XP because there's eight motives that I always use to win. Somebody, and I, type, somebody I, type that in. What's what's the website address? Motive 8, so M-O-T-I-V-E, the number 8, XP and the XP stands for extra power. So motivatexp.com. I got an audio series there. I guarantee you, your ass is going to be motivated like you've never been motivated before because I'm coming from the rawest, realest point I come from. All these things you've heard me talk about on this show, all the stuff I've come through, I put that down in that training. And you can tap into it. And what I do with that training, I said, this is not a me training. This is a we training. As a matter of fact, Ken's going to get access to it right when we're done here. And he can tell me if I'm crazy or if he says, man, we got to go on this journey together. That's uh, how I 
feel about this? Listen, man, I know, I know you, I've gotten to know you pretty well. You are definitely crazy, but I love you, man. You, you, you bring it, man. Like you really do. You bring it. And, and here's the thing. I, and, and I, I have one more question and God, I can't believe we're over an hour, man. Listen, one more question for you, dude, because the, I, I can't wait to hear your answer to this. And I've been in this position, and I know that there's been a there's a lot of people in this position, dude. The question I always ask is, what holds people back in life from real financial freedom and success, and 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 emotional and spiritual freedom, and all of that? What is that thing? Because I've been there where it's like I hit these high levels, then I freaking, you know, go down and then stay down for a long time, man. And then something triggers in me and I'm like, you know what? Screw that crap. And I get back up. But what is it that what's that thing that you think is keeping most people down that stay stuck? To me, what I'm going to say is a fact. But I have to say publicly to disclaim it, it is in my opinion. All right. Now, y'all check this out. From zero to seven years of age, your influences there pretty much determine your subconscious mind for the rest of your life. The issue there is how much influence did you have as a zero-year-old or a one-year-old? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Keep going. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. When is it that you started deciding things for yourself? Man, we got to figure this out. We got to stop, Ken, because you asked the question. How is it that I keep getting pulled back and returning to my own vomit? Mm. How, why do I keep coming back? A, a hog goes back to its mud. It's because of how you were mapped. There's a thing called brain mapping. I created an entire, I'm talking about powerhouse technology sound frequency system to deal with just that. And I'm Ken is helping me. Before I got on here with you, I put my headphones on and I lis listen to my confidence tones. And this morning, I listen to Elevate. Why? Because I got to stay on point with what happened to me from zero to seven. What happened when my dad shot himself? That trauma. Oh. That locks me up. Mm. I'll go out and have success, and then all of a sudden they draw me back. So you've heard these stories. I believe I was attracting that stuff. I believe I attracted this injury. Wow. I believe I attracted that strike. See? Wow. I, I believe I attracted, you know, the, the, the certain car wrecks that I've been in. Bad. And so here's what happens. It's because of that mapping. Who was influencing you? So if we can get you properly mapped, Remap, there's brain waves. You've got billions of these neurons in your brain and they got coded. And what happens is your conscious mind is the gatekeeper. Your subconscious mind is what's running you. And they have to be in harmony. But the key is the, 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 the subconscious mind, if it's got negative influences, no matter how much positive consciously you try to pump into it, it doesn't accept it. Mm. It only massages you a little bit because it says, this is not harmonious with me. I learned from zero to seven to be afraid, to have low self-esteem, to be unsure of myself, to not be successful, 
to, you know, I learned, I got in school and they reinforced that. They didn't teach me nothing about how to be successful. So now you're trying to consciously grab books like this, The Law of Success, Think and Grow Rich. You're trying to listen, you know, reading how to win friends and influence people, but you're not dealing with the subconscious mind. Mm. So what's with the subconscious mind? Well, this will, if you repeat it and repeat it, and I'm talking about relentlessly repeat it, but what ends up happening for most people is their conscious mind hijacks them and then they get discouraged. So how do we get past the gatekeeper? In my opinion, is through sound frequencies. And so I created confidencetones.com because I've got all the different frequencies coded now, all based, everything I've told you, Ken. I'm now creating tools and systems and aligning myself with people like you. This is on purpose. I am connected to the hip, no matter what, with Ken Walls, because he's got the greatest heart. He's got the greatest intentions, and he's going to only bring value. So I'm going to create tools, and I'm going to connect with people like Ken Walls and people that he is connected to so that we can make sure that our subconscious mind is working in harmony with our conscious mind. Now, once we get past the gatekeeper, then the, then the subconscious mind tells <clears throat> the conscious mind, all right, I'm, with, I'm cool with you now. That positive stuff, bring it in here. Let's roll. So that's my opinion. Jeez, dude. Wow. I, I think a lot of people are digging your opinion, by the way. Wow. Confidencetones.com. Get your brain back to a positive stage. And and I'm on that too. I just started it yesterday. I can't look like I can't say I, I can say that listening to I listened to it yesterday. Okay. Um I went through like because they're I love the way that they're all 11 minutes and 11 seconds, 11, 11. You did that on, I'm like, he did that on purpose. I know he did. And, 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 and it was, it's, it's, it's powerful stuff, man. You can feel it. I can, I can feel it. Like yeah. I can feel it. And we guarantee it. We say use it for 30 days. You don't like it. Don't even explain nothing to us. So give me my money back. I'm a, I'm so confident now. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> No, man. I don't want to argue about this stuff. Just put them headphones on and come. My wife, she's like, no, baby, you know, like this and that. I said, baby, you, you having a problem sleeping? Put on the slumber tone. I got one called slumber tone. <laughs> yeah. Put the slumber tone on. And man, she'll normally get up about seven o'clock. I look at the clock sometimes. It's about eight thirty, nine o'clock. She's like, <laughs> why? Because Delta. Do you know? You ever heard of REM sleep? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Delta. That's where you heal. That's where you replenish. Yeah. That's where you have longevity. And guess what percentage of the population ever goes into Delta sleep? Don't know. It's like minuscule because of wow. the stress. It's so much stress, stress, stress. So I've got tones in there that specifically help put you into Delta. Wow. Watch how you feel afterwards. That's why, I man, I can come right up this morning. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I put my head, I'm boom, I'm ready to go. Cause I because last night my wife been tricking me now. I'm trying to watch a little TV and she put them tones on on the side. And all of a sudden I'm like. <laughs> and see, because I like to watch the TV and go to sleep. So then she could turn the TV off. She just kind of sticks the tones on the side. Wow. 
Dude, it's that's insane. It works, man. I know. So Jay Nolan coaching. I have for anybody who wants to grab the book on Amazon, I posted the link. It's actually pinned on my 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 personal feed, but I posted the the link for everybody to go see or go pick up a copy of the book. Hold up the book again one more time, Jay. Oh. 365 quotes to make you better. Go get a copy of the book for real. If you want a signed copy, we'll figure that out. Just just um, hit me up, hit Jay up. We'll work it out, work it out. So Jay, dude, man, you brought so much value, so much fire to this, this show today. I'm so grateful, man. Thank you. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Hopefully these words we share with each other help somebody. Anybody that's following Ken, like y'all give him love. Y'all give him respect. He's been, he's doing this every day for three years, every weekday. So I want everybody to please, can y'all type in a big appreciation? Do for me, anybody's on any chat board, type in Ken Walls. We appreciate you. We love you. Show him some honor. Show him some respect because that is what it's about. People that give service like Ken, keep them encouraged. Who encourages the encourager? Ken is an encourager. So we want to, give you love and, and peace, happiness, and all the support you can get, Ken. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, man. I, I this, this has been incredible, Jay. You're, you're amazing. And I, I, honestly, I, I think we need to do more of these with, with you and I, man, just like, cause you fired, I, I'm fired up. <laughs> That's great. Sir, I, I mean, <laughs> I am fired up. Mark Rodriguez a little bit ago said, said, there's my wife. I love you too, babe. So, so, you know, like, dude, he said, I'm ready to run through a freaking wall right now. <laughs> That's what, hey, break through walls. Did you That's get it? it? That's what we, I was our whole purpose. That's it, man. That's it, dude. Well, listen, man, thank you. And if, hey, listen, everybody share this out because we're going to get a lot of replays on this. Share this thing out. If you didn't already share it out, you do have time to redeem yourself go ahead and share it and if you don't share it we'll probably publicly shame you in some form or fashion <laughs> i'm just kidding no we won't listen man you rock dude thank you so much i i i mean it i i don't know what else to say except for thank you this this has thank been you. absolutely brilliant awesome love all of you I'm giving authentic, true love to everybody that hears this. Hey, somehow or another, I'm a lightning bolt in this world. And I don't know why, but I know one thing. I'm going to be real. I'm, you can't buy me. You can't manipulate me. I won't do anything for money first. I want the best for everybody out there. And I want the best for you. And my man, Ken, you deserve all the best. Love all of you. Love you, bro. Thank you, guys. Thank you to everybody. And we will see you all later. Jay, don't hang up on me. I'm going to end this, though. Thank you, guys. Have an, an amazing day. Catch us on Clubhouse, too. Clubhouse, baby. That's it. We'll see you guys.